Amen. Well, welcome to part two of our trilogy on the story of Joseph. Uh, let me ask you a question here real quick. First of all, do we have any roller coasters here in the room? People who love to go on roller coasters, some thrill seekers, like four of you? What in the world? That's it? We got a bunch of scaredy cats in this church? What's going on? How many of you say you are never, ever, ever getting me on one of those things? Raise your hand. Look, a lot more hands. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> For some reason, I did not expect that. Uh, all right. Well, I am one that enjoys roller coasters. Thank you. <laughs> I've only been sick once. We won't talk about that. Um, but yeah, so we as a family, we love it too. We go to Six Flags, we go to Disney World, we love the whole deal. Uh, we love going on that stuff. A couple of, several years ago now, we went um, to Disney World and we tried a ride called the Tower of Terror. How many of you would love to go on the Tower of Terror? That's me. <laughs> that sounds exciting, okay? And so basically what happens is you get in this box. It looks like it's not a roller coaster. It's like a big elevator type thing. And you're, and you're sitting in there, and you go up. I don't know how many stories, 15 stories. I have no idea. You go up on this thing, and then it kind of brings you out like this, and you're kind of hanging there for a minute, and you don't know what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, you drop. And you go down like this, and you go back up a little bit, and you drop again. And it's just you don't want to eat before you go on this ride. I know that. And so we went as, as a family, and so my, my littlest, Juliet, I want to say she was about seven at the time. I want to guess. She says, yeah, she wants to go on it. All right, let's go. So we get on this ride, and we're sitting there, and I've got my hand on her leg, and, and she's got her arms wrapped around my arm, you know. And so we pull out, and when that first drop came, her whole body shook, and her skeleton flew out. <laughs> And she, it scared her half to death. And so we're dropping, and we're coming back up, and we drop again, and she's kind of starting to cry a little bit. And I'm like, babe, you just got to ride the ride till it's over at this point. I mean, there's nothing I can do. I mean, Dad's here with you. Not much I can do, though. We just got to finish this thing. And so we get through, and of course, you know, she's crying a little bit. I'm never doing that again, <laughs> and all that. My other two were, that was awesome. <laughs> They're just going crazy, you know. So then the next year, we, we go to Six Flags, and there's a ride similar to that. And I didn't think Juliet was going to go. So I knew Claire and Olivia, okay, you two go ride it. I said, Juliet, do you want to ride it? And she thinks a minute, and she says, well, if you ride it with me, then I'll go. And I said, okay, all right, we'll go. And so we rode it again. She was a little scared again, but she did it. And so now she's gotten to the point where she went to Six Flags just with her cousins and her grandma last week without dad. And uh, she rode the roller coasters and did all the stuff. And so um, she's, she's kind of progressed a little bit. She got a little older, I guess, and she moved along. But but I still remember, I, mean, I remember the feeling of, of, her, of her body shaking and me just going, okay, I'm, I, I'm with you, okay? <laughs> I'm with you as best I can. But no matter, there was nothing I could do to stop the ride, but what I could do was show her that I was with her, okay? What I could do was, hey, we are in this together. I'm with you. You hold on to my arm. We're going to get through this together. I'm not leaving you. We're riding this ride together. That was the best that I could do for her at that point. And we made it all the way through. And so I look at 
the story of Joseph, and Joseph is a little bit like that as well. To kind of catch everybody up, Joseph is the great-grandson of Abraham. So you got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Jacob has 12 sons, and one of those, his favorite, was Joseph. And so he gives Joseph this coat of, of uh, many colors, okay? And so God had set up his promise through Abraham. So the promise was supposed to come through Abraham, that uh, a promise of blessing and a promise of redemption and all these things. But the story of Genesis and really the story of human life is pretty much the same. Man continually breaks his promise and then God continually restores his promise. That happened all throughout Genesis. That happened throughout Exodus and Leviticus and happened through the Old Testament and the New Testament and here today. Man continually breaks God's promise, and then God continually restores his promise for us. And so we have a second chance, and then another second chance, and then another second chance. And so that's one reason why we're supposed to have grace with other people as well, because God has given us a chance, so we're going to give other people a second chance, and another second chance, and how many times do we forgive our brothers? Seventy times seven, Jesus told Peter. So... um, It's this continual, yes, you're breaking my promise, but I love you so much that I'm restoring that promise again. I'm giving you another chance. And so um, that's what we're talking about uh, in these three weeks, that God has a dream for his people to be faithful to him alone, to receive a future reward with him. And so we've got a, a dreamer in Joseph. And so what we're picking up the story is in Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, we're picking up the story where Jacob has sent Joseph out to see his brothers. And his brothers do not like him. Brothers do not like him. He, uh, Jacob had gave, their father had given only Joseph this coat or this robe of many colors, didn't give them anything. I don't know how you do that. You, here, son, here's a gift. Okay, guys, y'all go over here and go work or something. I, I don't know how that works, but that's what Jacob did. And so his brothers do not like Joseph. And so Jacob has sent Joseph out to get word from his brothers. And so as he's traveling, his brothers see Joseph in the distance, and here, and here comes Joseph. And so the brothers begin to talk to each other about what they're going to do. And that's where we left uh, last week, and that's where we're picking it up this week. Verse 23, Genesis chapter uh, 37, verse 23. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into a cistern or pit. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. So they did not welcome him very nice. They ripped him of his robe. They threw him into this pit, okay? And so now they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And so they see these Ishmaelite traders. Well, now this is very interesting that it's Ishmaelite traders because let's go back through the genealogy again, okay? So you've got Joseph and his brothers, and then you've got Jacob, Jacob had a brother named Esau, okay? But then Jacob's dad's name was Isaac, and Isaac had a brother named Ishmael. So now you've got the Ishmaelites who were coming. So you see how this is kind of like the, the, the family tree here of cousins. So you've got 
what is this, second cousins, third cousins, that are coming through, and Joseph's brothers are looking at Joseph like, what are we going to do? We see these, our third cousins that are coming through. What can we do? Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what a bunch of nice guys these brothers are. After all, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. You know, He is our brother. I mean, was there a third option? Why are these the only two options? And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were many not traitors, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. So they sold their brother to their third cousins who was not to receive the promise. Remember the promise we talked about? They weren't supposed to. The promise was not supposed to go through that line of the family. It's supposed to go through this line of the family. And so it was kind of a slap in the face of Joseph to sell him to that side of the family almost. I, we talked about family dysfunction, right? This is, this is family dysfunction right here, okay? That they would take their brother and treat him this way, which, by the way, for 20 pieces of silver, if you're wondering, what is that in today's money, 20 pieces of silver? Well, we looked it up, and that's worth about $200. So for $200, they gave their brother away. Joseph then set out in his new life as a slave after being rejected, violated, and abused by members of his family. This is not what's supposed to happen. Family is, is supposed to be something that is from God, is a gift of God, it's supposed to be sacred. And I hate to say it, but there are times way back when and times even today that family does not treat family like they're supposed to. There are stories even today of people going through some kind of abuse from the people who were supposed to love them the most, their family. Listen, this is why men are supposed to act like men of God. Women are supposed to act like women of God. We're supposed to be a family. It's supposed to be a gift of God. We're supposed to treat each other the way that God has created us. But there are many families, broken families here today who are experiencing the exact opposite of what God has for them. Fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, the family of God is sacred and should be treated as sacred. A gift of God. The family of God should be pure, but when it is not, can anything be done? Maybe some of you know of family members or you know of friends where family members have violated or, or abused or taken advantage of members of their own family, and it's awful. And, and I don't understand how you can go back into a house where, where things like that are going on, where there's verbal abuse, physical abuse. I don't understand. There are just so many times I don't understand what is going on in our world today. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I, I look at my wife and I look at my girls and I want nothing but love for them and, and, and nothing but the best and, and, and success and, and um, you know, my mother and father and sister and other people in my extended family, 
I want them to grow in the Lord. I want them to see them succeed. I, 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 nothing but love, and, but to know that there are people out there who want the exact opposite for their family, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. And Joseph felt that. Joseph felt that hurt and that pain. I mean, just imagine how they're, they're loading him up in the wagon or trailer or back of a donkey or whatever they are, and he looks back as his brothers get smaller and smaller away. What is he thinking at this moment? That his brothers would, would do something like this. What can be done when things like this happen? When people have been abused in heinous ways by their closest family, can there be redemption? Psalm chapter 34, verse 18, David talked about this. He said, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I want you to know if, if you have experienced that here today, if you are watching online and you have experienced any form of violation, abuse, anything like that, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Listen, God is with you. What the enemy tries to do is make you feel like you're alone. And there's a divide and he separates. But I promise you, God is with you. And if you want further example of this, we have to continue to look at the story of Joseph. So let's continue. We're going to skip chapter 38. 38 is, about, is a story about Judah and it's a different story. So we're going to pick up with Joseph Chapter 39, verse 1. And I'm going to read a lot of Scripture here today because I want you to see it in context. What is actually happening to Joseph, okay? So I hope you like the story of Joseph because we're going to read a lot of it. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, 39, verse 1, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. Everybody say that with me. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar so, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned, from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibilities over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. So I'm not actually talking about this today, but this is a lesson as well. If you want to receive a blessing of the Lord, spend time with people who remain in the presence of God, and some of that overflow may come over to you, okay? I mean, who are you hanging out with? Who are you spending time with? Potiphar uh, began to spend time with Joseph, and then his house, not even Joseph's house, but his house began to flourish. I'm not talking about that this morning, so let's, okay. Joseph remained faithful to God through all of this, and God remained faithful to Joseph. 
So much so that there was success in everything he did. No matter what it was, as a slave, his master saw that the Lord was with him so much that there was so much success that even as a slave, he was put in charge of his house. That that is incredible. That as a slave, that you were promoted to kind of that level of responsibility. But that's, that's what remaining faithful to God can do to you. You remain faithful to God. God remains faithful to you. His promise to you is coming. Remember, God gave him a dream. We talked about it last week. His dream is not fulfilled yet, so he's staying right there with him. Continuing, Joseph was a very handsome, was very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her. My master told me with everything in his entire household, no one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Okay, this is very interesting because he knew that this was wrong. He looked at the situation and he said, I, I can't do this. This is wrong. This is interesting because this is pre-law, okay? Moses has not been born yet. There is no Ten Commandments. There is no law that is established. But Joseph looked at the situation and says, no, that's not right, okay? Uh, Potiphar has, has given me uh, credence to do anything I want to in this house, okay? If I want to go swim in the pool, I can do it anytime I want to. Jump off that diving board, swim in the pool. Go to the pantry, I can eat as many Oreos as I want. Okay, this is, I can do whatever I want. I can do all of this. But I can't have you, that's what Potiphar says. He has given me everything except for this. And it's very interesting that before the law was even given, he knew this was wrong. And many times, we, you know, we're looking through the Bible, what does the Bible say about this? Can I do this? You know, we're trying to find... Well, the Bible doesn't specifically say this. You know, I'm looking for it. It doesn't say, Adam, don't do this. So I guess that means I can do it, right? We're, we're looking to kind of sometimes validate what we're doing, trying to find it in the law here. And Joseph, before the law was given, knew it was wrong. I think that we have the ability to look at a situation. God, get, As we grow closer to the Lord, as we get closer to His holiness, we see our unholiness. But... We have the ability to look at a situation and go, God doesn't want me to do that. I, I realize it's not spelled out word for word in this version of the Bible I'm reading, but I'm not supposed to do that. And that's what Joseph did here. He said, this is not right, number one. Number two, he says that this would be a great sin against God. And make no mistake about it, all sin is against God. It wasn't a sin against Potiphar, he thought. It wasn't a sin against Potiphar's wife. It wasn't a sin against marriage itself. It was against God. When we sin, we have come short of God. Not come short of Potiphar's expectations. We're not, we haven't come short of Potiphar's wife's expectations. Obviously not, because she thought it was okay. We don't live our life based on someone else's expectations to decide if it's sin or not. We look at our life based on God, if it's sin or not. And if it's a sin, if it's a sin, it's a sin to God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. But he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around. 
when he went in to do his work, she came and grabbed him by the cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, and he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you've brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Now, is that what happened? It's not what happened. He was accused of something that he did not do. Now, I'm not putting thoughts into Joseph's mind right now. I'm putting... I'm telling you what I would be thinking, okay? I am a slave here for no reason because my brothers abused me and kicked me out. The Lord has been with me. God, you said you're going to be with me. And here I am. I've done everything right. Tell me if you ever thought something like this before. I've done everything right. I go to church. I pay my tithe. I stopped cussing. I don't know, whatever. I've done all this stuff, okay? I'm doing right but then this bad thing happened to me. That's not right, God. Have you felt that way? You don't have to raise your hand. I've done everything right. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Why would this bad thing happen to me? I'm not saying that's what Joseph thought. I'm just saying I'm reading this story, and if this happened to me, very honestly, that, that, that thought might creep into, into my brain here. Like, I've done everything for you, God. I've been faithful to you. Why would this that I have not done, why would this come down to me? Joseph either didn't think that, the Bible doesn't say that he think that, but even if he did, whether he did or did not, he, res- he remained faithful to God. Verse 19, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. So not only was he thrown in a pit, he was thrown in slavery, he was thrown in prison for something that he did not do. Listen, sometimes you just got to ride the ride until it's over, okay? (laughs) Sometimes you just got to ride the ride. Ride's not over yet. But God's hand was on him the entire time. Sometimes you got to keep riding the ride. But God was with him the entire time. Verse 21, But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Think about that promotion. The Lord was with him. Fourth time this chapter. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Listen, I'm here to tell you, when we remain faithful to God, even in times that we feel hard done, we got cheated, we've been done wrong, 
even when we did everything right, when we remain faithful to God, God remains faithful to us. I got to tell you, every time that I have in my life that I have felt hard done or I have felt looked over when I deserve, many of those times, and this is why Joseph is my favorite story in the Bible, I look back to Joseph and I go, well, I wasn't thrown into slavery. (laughs) Well, I wasn't thrown into jail for something that I didn't do. So I really can't complain all that much. See, I told you last week how that the story of Joseph actually points to Jesus. How can we complain about where we are when we know what Jesus has done and sacrificed for us? Did Jesus deserve to be on the cross? Did he sin? But he took our place. It is very hard for a Christian to complain about anything. About anything. Because of what Jesus has done for us when we didn't deserve it, when we look at a story like Joseph and everything that happened to him, and he remained faithful to the Lord, show me a spot where we as as Christians can complain about something. Really, I'm looking for hands. Anybody? No. There's no place for complaining in a Christian's heart. Now, there can be cries of, God, I don't understand. God, I don't get it, but at the end of that prayer, it's, but I, I trust you, Lord. I'm faithful to you, God. Wherever you're taking me, I'm riding the ride as long as your hand is on me. Let's continue. Because the betrayal is actually not done yet. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended the royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. Genesis chapter 40, verse 5. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. Joseph knows something about dreams, doesn't he? When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. And he replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. Another instance where Joseph even had a chance to maybe kind of brag on himself a little bit, he once again turns praise to God. Even in the midst when he's in prison, he could have said, hey, That's a strength of mine. I can do that for you. He still didn't do it. He remained faithful to God, and he said, God can do that. Joseph, Joseph. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream, verse 9. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine has three branches and began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes, squeezed the juice into the cup, then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. (coughs) Excuse me. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. 
For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. Fact check, true. Okay? Verse 16. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given his first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. His dream sounds worse than the other one. So, I, 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 you know, <laughs> the other one, he handed the cup. And the other one, so I don't know if I, if I would have told him. But anyway, that's what the baker said. Sounds a little bit worse. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love how the NLT says that. Then the birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Verse 20. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. That's just as Joseph said. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted, and when he when he interpreted his dream. Verse 23 is a very sad verse, however. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. So Joseph, violated and abused by his own family, was sold into slavery for a whopping $200 was then accused of something that he did not do, was thrown into prison where when he helped people, in a guy in the prison get out of prison, that guy then forgot about him. <laughs> not the life I would want to live. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? Joseph, through all of this, remained faithful to God. And so God remained faithful to him. I am so thankful that he remained faithful to him. I'm just going to read the first verse of Genesis 41. Two full years later, two full years later after this, Pharaoh had a dream. <laughs> it said that from the pit to the palace was 13 years. Joseph endured 13 years of either being at the beginning of the time, from the pit to slavery to prison to what's about to happen was 13 years. Sometimes we read a story in the Bible and we feel like it takes about a week and a half. No, no, no. 13 years he dealt with all of this. 13 years of being faithful to God when everything was thrown at him. Nothing was his fault, but it was thrown it was thrown at his face. What let's see what Joseph would look like sitting in a prison cell. Sitting there maybe by himself. It the Bible does not indicate that he had a woe is me mindset that he had a, I'm going to remain faithful to God mindset. And so there he is, sitting in jail, 
two years after the cupbearer, he helped the cupbearer, sitting in his cell, and all of a sudden the door flies open. Several guards come running in, some with smiles on their face, some with a look of shock. And one finally says, Joseph, you're never going to believe who wants to meet you. (laughs) Joseph says, who? And he says, Pharaoh wants to meet you. Something about a dream. I wonder if a smile crept across his face. Listen, it is very appropriate and very good to pray for deliverance. If you're going through something this morning, in fact, in just a moment, we're going to pray for deliverance. If you're going through something, you've been through some things, you don't know which way is up and you need God to help you, listen, we pray for deliverance. But let me tell you about an underrated prayer to pray for. And that is, while you're waiting for that deliverance, why don't we pray for strength to get through where God is bringing us? What if we pray for wisdom to know what to do and how to see sin? What if we prayed for guidance on the next step that we're supposed to take through this trial? What if we prayed for holiness to get us through what we're going through? What if we prayed for faithfulness to get us through these trials? You see, if Joseph had prayed for deliverance while he was in the pit, he never would have gotten a chance to go to the palace. If he had been delivered during slavery, if he had been delivered when he first got to jail, he wouldn't have had the opportunity to then meet Pharaoh, which is what we're going to talk about next week. We want to pray for deliverance, and deliverance is good, and maybe today is the day for your deliverance. But in the meantime, what if we prayed for strength and wisdom and patience and guidance and faithfulness to get us through where God is bringing us? Because what if God is wanting to bring us to a place, but we've got to go through a couple of things to get there? And if we can get through these couple of things, then God has a dream for us. I don't know about you, but yeah, it might be tough. (laughs) But I'm going to follow God. I'm going to have trust in God. The God of creation, our Father, His Son, our Savior, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, He is with us. We are not alone. We're not alone in this. Look at me. You are not alone. Through whatever trial, through whatever difficulty, through whatever relationship thing or family thing or financial thing or whatever thing it is that you're going through, you are not alone. God has his hand on you. There is still a dream to come through and God does not forget his promises. In fact, he says in Deuteronomy, never will I leave you nor forsake you. Pastor Victor, come on up, begin to play. Church. I understand you might be going through something this morning, and we want to pray for that. I'm going to give opportunity to pray for what's going through, but understand that there is a bigger picture out there that God has. It's called his promise. And so while we are enduring what's going on, we can pray for faithfulness. We can pray for patience. We can pray for strength. 
We can pray for wisdom. We can pray for guidance and holiness and all these things to get us through while God is molding us into what he would have us to be. Maybe it's not our, our favorite thing because we just, we just want whatever's going on to be over. Just let it be over. Because I'm just telling you, don't choose comfort over the promise. Don't, don't choose just, just a little bit of comfort right now. I just want this to be over. Don't choose a, a short-term gain over this big dream and promise that God has for his church and for his people. I would rather have this. So we're going to have a prayer time. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, in just a second, ask people, if you want to come down and you want to pray, then I want you to pray. Pray for deliverance. Today might be your day of deliverance. Pray for deliverance. But let's also pray for strength and for wisdom and for guidance and to be faithful to God. Can we do that this morning? Can we all stand together? Because I want to give opportunity to come forward. I want us to... I want everybody to, to find a place to pray, I guess. Even if it's your seat, that's fine. You can find a place to pray. But here's what we're going to do. Um, if, if you are going through something, you're going through a trial, you're going, whatever it is, whatever your definition of a trial is, you're going through something and you want to bring that to God. And you want to say, God, I want you to be with me and I want to remain faithful to you and maybe deliverance. I want you to come forward. I want you to pray. Here's what I want you to do. If you want me or, or another person on a prayer team to pray for you, if you would come up and stand, then we'll come and we'll pray with you. If you say, I just want to come and, and kneel and talk to the Lord, you can do that as well. Absolutely. Okay? But we're going to pray for deliverance and for strength and for guidance. If that's you, I love how they've already come down. If that's you, one, two, three, go. You're going through something and you want prayer. Okay? Come and bring it to the Lord. If you just want to kneel and just talk you and God, absolutely do that. If you want someone to actually physically pray for you and with you, then come down and I'll pray with you and I want to invite prayer warriors. If you, if you know how to pray, you've experienced deliverance in your life. You know what it's like to pray for and to know what uh, strength is and what guidance is then I want to invite you to come and I want you to pray with us, okay? But let's find a place to pray, whether at your seat or down here. Let's find a place to pray and pray that God would be with us. And if you say, yep, I want you to pray, pray with me, then I want you to stand. If not, then come and kneel. Let's pray. Let's pray. In this place right here is where you find deliverance, amen? In this place right here is where we can find strength and guidance and we want to come to a God that makes us whole. Let's pray.